Hey, God's got some good things for us. Can you say amen? Amen. Uh, We got one more week to go. Today is all about that. I want to set the stage. I want to challenge you. I want to, what I really want to do is provoke you. I want to provoke you to something. I want to sort of lay a line down and dare you to cross it. Y'all remember when you were kids? You didn't just dare somebody. If you really wanted them to jump off the roof, you'd what? I double dog dare you. That's right. So this is a double dog dare moment this morning. I want to provoke you. For some of you, you have not yet really entered into a time of fasting. You got one more week. Well, you got as many weeks as you got alive. But this week, I want to, I want to provoke you to try it. I want to, I, want to, I want to dare you to put the Lord to the test. See if he won't do something. See if he won't say something. Um, so many of you, as, as I've talked to you through the years, I hear a common refrain from, from many of you, and it goes along the lines of something like this. Pastor, how do you know God's talking to you? Sometimes when you hear me say things like, the Lord spoke to me or the Lord impressed upon me, I have many of you say, I don't know what that is. I don't experience that. I don't know how to, how do I know it's God speaking? It's not just me or my idea or my imagination. I, I want you to know absolutely I'm convinced that God has some things he wants to do on the earth. That I'm not saying that coronavirus came because of that. I don't believe that at all. But I believe God takes what the enemy means for evil and turns it into good. And I think he's refining his church. Any of you felt a little concerned over the last six months? Feel a little anxious? Feel a little, feel like you, you know, maybe I ought to pray. (laughs) Feel a little more urgency in that? Come on, say amen if that's true. Feel like there's some things that have come to our world, still are going on in our world, that we are just insufficient to face on our own. Say amen. Amen. Then we ought to pray. And I want to, I want to provoke you to that today. I want to begin in Matthew chapter six. Thank you so much for being here today. Ah, I love his presence. One of the great dilemmas for, for preaching, for ministering in a, in a spirit-filled group of people is, okay, what do we do next? Do we just, sometimes you just want to just worship and just not go anywhere else, just stay all day and just worship. And then I go, no, I got a sermon I want to preach. <laughs> that gets in the way. Lord, what do we do? What do we do next? What do you want? Lord, what would you be privileged that we would do? Be pleased that we would do. Matthew chapter 6. Let me begin there. Jesus is speaking. He says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen of others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let me give you a little context here and then challenge you a little bit. Amen. You'll all be crying before we're done today. (laughs) Jesus is speaking to a group of people, probably one of the most religious theocracies that has ever existed in the world. The Jewish people, certainly in the time of Jesus, were very... Let me just use it the only way I know to say it. They're very religious people. And their their religion was woven into everything. And fasting for them wasn't so much a draw close to God moment. And, And this is my interpretation of what Jewish fasting. I've never been Jewish. 
but I've, I've, been, I've studied it for a long time, that what Jesus is speaking about is that they had turned their fasting into a purely religious symbol. Something, an activity that you engaged in without any inner transformation, without any real advancement of your closeness to God. It was just a sort of a religious thing that you did on special days and in special observations of certain holy days, they fasted. Some have preached this section of scripture from Jesus two times, he says, and when you fast, they have used that to say that Jesus is commanding New Testament Christians to fast. I don't believe that's at all what he's saying. He's addressing that culture in that time, and he's challenging them that when you fast, don't let it be an empty religious observation. Let it be what it was intended to be. In Isaiah 58 that we covered last week, in the Old Testament, the Lord speaks specifically about what the Jewish people had allowed fasting to become because it had become something that really didn't result in any inner transformation. It was just an outward symbol. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about because what would happen in that day is that people would not bathe, they wouldn't comb their hair, they would look pitiful on purpose so that when people would say, oh, you don't look good, you must be fasting. You might interpret the scripture to say, see, Pastor, we're not supposed to talk about fasting. We're just supposed to do it. Well, we're, we're doing a corporate fast. It's a little different. Jesus is speaking specifically to that context. But I do want you to notice something here. And I want to ask you a question in order, in, in order to introduce this. How many, of you, how many of you like discipline? How many of you like a disciplined, not in other people, in you? A disciplined life. You weirdos. I don't like discipline. Any of you? I like vacation. Now what is a vacation? Vacation is that time where you break out of your disciplines and you just go do what? Whatever you want to do. How many of you are beach people? How many of you like the mountains? Sure, you don't care where you go. You just want to be on vacation, don't you? Yeah. Right, listen, the whole, whole idea of a vacation is that we break out of our routines. We go relax. We get away from the discipline that's required in our regular life. Now, we're living in a, in a time now where a lot of people, they don't ever have a disciplined time. And they're like living on vacation. But that's all right. They're going to eventually need to buy groceries. So it's going to come around. All right. They're going to move out of their mom and dad's basement someday, and they're going to have to have some discipline. Amen? We all understand discipline, but let's just all be honest. None of us really like having to live a disciplined life. We enjoy those times when you can just do whatever you want. Say amen. amen. The bad news is this, this morning, and I wished I could, I wished I could give you a different reality. I love the freedom of worship. Don't you? I also like worshiping with people that aren't real rigid in there. If you want to raise your hands, raise your hands. If you want to, if you want to, I grew up Methodist. If you want to raise your hands Methodist, raise them Methodist. If you want to raise them Pentecostal, raise them Pentecostal. If you want to be a carried away Baptist, you can just do that, all right? You know what I mean? If you want to be Catholic, you can just do that. I mean, you, pick it on everybody. Come on. I love the freedom of worship. I really do. If you want to walk, walk. 
In the first service, I got really excited. I kind of did a little jig. You missed it. You should have come to the early service. All right? I love that. I love the freedom that is provided in the Lord's presence by the new atonement, that you can just come right into his presence. You don't have to have a bunch of rituals. You don't have to go through some sort of ceremonial cleansing. You can just close your eyes, good morning, Father, and you can be right in his presence. Amen? Now, I love all of that. However, you cannot, now listen to me, church. We're going to talk about the purpose of what fasting is. You cannot draw close to God and learn more of him except that there is some discipline. I love the freedom of his presence, but there is still something prescribed by God and something found throughout his word that says things like, those who diligently seek me will find me. When you seek for me with all of your heart, and that's discipline. That's a passion. That's a constraining. That's a, that's a life that has said, Lord, I want you more than, and you fill in the blank. I'm going to discipline my life. There's this, and we're not talking about sin. You should want God more than you do sin. But Lord, I'm talking about a good thing. I'm talking about a profitable thing. I'm talking about something that is a part of my routine life. And for a time, Lord, I'm going to discipline myself. And I'm going to push that thing away just because I want to know you more. And this week, I want to provoke you. we got one more week. And some of you have yet to discipline your life in any way and say, I'm going to lay down a really good thing because I want to know him. I want to hear his voice. And those of you that have this, this, uh, this, this sort of this ambiguity about hearing God's voice, I want you to know on the authority of God's word that a path to more focus, to more sharply focus your heart and your spirit rather than your flesh, so that you might hear the voice of God, a path to that is the discipline of fasting. And if you say, I want to know his voice. I want to hear God talk to me. Draw a line in the sand. Step over it. Set this week aside to say, I'm going to fast this week. Why? Three real quick points, and then we're going to come to the altars. Fasting centers us on spiritual things. Zechariah chapter 7, verse 5. Say to all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth month and in the seventh, for these 70 years, was it for me that you fasted? I want you to know that the idea here is the Lord saying that there's really only one real reason to fast, and that's him. I want to know you, Father. I want to draw close to you. I want to hear your voice. I want to experience your presence more powerfully, more thoroughly. I want to see your hand move. I want to know you better than I ever have before than fast. Now, let me give you some practical things here. If you like fasting, I don't get you at all. I was talking to... <laughs> I love this. She was in the first service. I was talking to Sister Pat Ramazzini. Um, oh, my goodness. If she don't make heaven, nobody's going. All right. Loves the Lord. And I was talking to her at the beginning, and we were just discussing about the difficulty of fasting. She says, Pastor, I know it's going to be. I was the, the first week of the fast. I did a total fast. I said, I said, 
She was saying, Pastor, I know that's going to be hard on you because you're a good eater. <laughs> I felt like I was three years old again. He's a good, isn't he a good eater? I've noticed some of you are good eaters too. Look at your neighbor and say, you look like a good eater. I like that. Instead of saying, hey, you got a little extra weight there. Don't say that. Look at him and say, you know, you look like a good eater. That was a compliment when you were three and four, wasn't it? He cleans his plate. I want you to know I clean my plate every time. How come I don't get a prize anymore? There's a quarter underneath. Clean your plate. You made a smile. I want you to know I make a smiley plate every time. I'm a good eater. Come on. Food is just, food is just fundamental to what we do. Amen? And if you like fasting, if you like depriving your flesh, you're, you're just weird. I'm a good eater. Let me give you some practical deals about it, though. And if you haven't ever experienced this, I want you to, I want you to press in this week. The, about the first three days of any fast is a very unspiritual moment. There's a spirit that comes out of me in about the first three days, but it's not Jesus. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? If you don't know this, talk to Leanne. She can explain it to you. That's my wife, for those of you that don't know. As you begin the process of disciplining your body, it doesn't like it, and it rebels. And you, you, I don't know about you, I get cranky. I get, Jesus hasn't shown up yet. He's coming. He's on the way. But at flesh, my flesh, at first my flesh rebels against what I'm trying to. I'm trying to bring discipline to it, and it doesn't want to be disciplined. There is, however, sort of a threshold, sort of a doorway. For me, it's, I think, it's, a two, it's about three days in. And then there comes this moment where you, and the only way I can describe it, it's like, and you don't see it, you don't feel it, but it's like you cross over into something. And that screaming flesh subsides. And there's a, there's a peace that comes in its place. I find myself getting quiet. I don't talk as much. I'm not just a good eater. I'm a good talker. And I find that I don't, I'm, not, I'm just not as communicative as I was. That could be because I'm starving to death. No, it's not that. It's that the presence of the Lord begins to say things. His voice, fasting begins to center you on spiritual things. If you would say, you know, I'm just not a very spiritual person. Fast. You know, I just, I'm not as... I don't know. I just don't get wrapped up in it like some people do. Fast, that might change. Maybe it's because you're not hearing the Lord's voice. Maybe it's because you've not yet heard him challenge you. Maybe it's because you've not yet felt the overwhelming sense of how much grace he's poured out on you so that your name might be written in the Lamb's book of life. Maybe you've been so ruled by your fleshly nature that you really haven't understood the amount of love and goodness he's poured out on you. You might be a very spiritual person if you would ever get beyond your own thoughts and your own flesh. And fasting will bring you to that place. But it's hard. 
It doesn't, it doesn't give up easily, your flesh. Your flesh doesn't just lay down. If you're going to know God, if you're going to press in, if you're going to get beyond natural reasoning and just sort of the, sort of the substance of where your experiences or your education has led you, if you're going to go beyond that from the natural, because all of that's natural, to supernatural, you're going to have to break through that flesh. I challenge you this week. Break through it. Break through if you've always been held captive by the same sinful nature, if you always respond in anger to the same stimulus, if you always find yourself falling prey to a particular kind of thought, fast and break through that. There's something better on the other side. But you're not going to know it without the discipline of it. Secondly, after fasting centers us on spiritual things, it begins to remind us that God is our source. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus said, But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, Paul wrote, And he, that's Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. So many of us, when COVID began to hit and the circumstances of our world began to be so turned upside down, we grew, we grew very disconcerted. We, begun, we began to be very, I was there, very concerned about what's going to happen. When, and, and there's this term, when's it going to get back to normal? Normal for us meant no masks, no fear. No restrictions. We can gather. We can, we can do. Watch this. We can do what we... Ah, I want to do what I want. Watch this. What if the enemy who comes to steal, kill... I don't have a word from God. Just a what if. The enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy contrived a virus... Used men to do it, used natural whatever, used, the, what, I don't, whatever, some, some person, some thing, some natural, I, I really, maybe you care where it came from, I don't. But the enemy had a plan to divide and to conquer and to separate people from relationships and shut down economies and, and, and whatever. Okay, in the government. <laughs> no. You can do all that if you want. I'm done with that. And the Lord said, if you'll let me, I'll take what the enemy meant to destroy and I'll turn it into something good. And he's waiting. The Lord is, what if the Lord's using it? What if? What if the Lord is using it to remind us that it was never the things that you used to depend upon as your source, that those never have really been your source, that he is above all things and in all things, and through him everything holds together. Maybe he's used this like he did captivity with the Assyrians and the Babylonians and all of the different things to finally cause his people to say, it's not my ability to do whatever I want, it's my connection to him who sustains me. And maybe, maybe we're coming to a place again like we did 
19 years ago on September the 11th where people began to call on the name of the Lord. It was fear that did it then. It's fear that's causing it to happen now. Couldn't we ever just learn to just stay connected to the Lord as our source? So that we don't constantly have to go through these things of being reminded. I don't know that any of that's true. But what if? What if we could just get to a place where we remembered that God is our source. I want you to know that fasting begins to push aside. Food isn't your source. Job isn't your source. Relationships, as good as they might be and as much as you might depend upon your spouse or your kids or your grandkids or your friends, that those cannot be the thing that sustains you. It's Him. And fasting begins to push all that away. You begin to see it more clearly. And this week, I'd like to draw a line in the sand. I'd like to say, will you join me? Will you join me? This, we just got one more week. Will you decide finally to discipline your flesh and push that stuff aside and give up some time just so that you might find out that God is your source? Thirdly, fasting brings balance to our life again. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. The psalmist said in verse 13 of chapter 35, but when, but I, when they were sick, I wore sackcloth, I afflicted myself with fasting, I prayed with head bowed on my chest. There is this thing about Life that gets unbalanced. Man, I've been there. Life that gets unbalanced, where you become too focused on the job, or you become too focused on the money, or you become too focused on the family, or all of which, all of which you should have some focus on. I'm not talking about sinful things now. I'm talking about good things. You become so focused on anything and, and you become unbalanced in it. What fasting does is for a season, you push all of that aside. No, no job. You are not. You say you talk to your job. I talk to my job all the time. No, church is not my source. The fact that Todd doesn't like me, well, that's his problem. He needs to be saved, get filled with the Holy Ghost. He'll love me then. No, listen. No, job isn't. That's not, you know, it's my 401k. Do I need to have a 401k? Do I need to be saving? Yes, but that's not the thing. How many of you know 401k can be gone like that? It can't be the thing that secures me. Well, it's my, it's my wife and my kids and my grandkids. That's the thing. I hear people say all the time, no, we, we, we really can't go to church. That's our family day. there's going to come a day when you're going to stand up before the Lord and they don't get to vote. I have a family day too on Sunday. We started right here. Amen? That's, all right? Come on, that's, 
Fasting brings balance. We get, we get out of balance. We forget who our source is. We forget what it is that really moves heaven and earth. We start thinking that it's the Republicans or the Democrats. We get the right guy in office. The whole world's going to be better. I'm telling you, that's not our source. He is. We got to get balanced again and remember, should we be engaged in? Yes, all of that. I've been registered to vote. I'm going to vote. I'm going to vote. <laughs> I'm not telling you. and You better not tell me. You can tell me, but listen, that's not our source. That's not the source of peace. That's not the source of hope. That's not the source of, 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 of securing of what my future is. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I remember that when I begin to press in, when my flesh gets quiet, when my mind becomes focused on the things of the Lord, and the way that I do that is through the discipline of fasting. Preachers, we get worried about everything. Most preachers are messed up. You wouldn't, do, you wouldn't do this job if you weren't a little off. Listen, pastors come from all kinds of places. And the fears of life grip our hearts as well. Worry about who's coming back after the COVID thing is over. Worried about, the fi- oh, are we going to be able to pay our bills? I got friends out there right now that they don't know if their church is going to serve. They're, going to, they're looking at closing their church. How do you sustain in that? His word, his promises, his presence. You push all that other away. How do you do that? You fast. You fast. Musicians, come back, please. We got one more week. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. You say, Pastor, why do you... Because I want you to know what I'm going to do. Leanne and I talked about it this morning. I'm not going to do a total fast again this last week. I'm going to fast all day, and then I'm going to eat something light in the evening. I'm going to fast breakfast, I'm going to fast lunch, and then I'm going to eat something late in the... <gasps> Is that okay? Yeah, that's, that's what I think the Lord wants me to do. What's He want you to do? Maybe you're supposed to do a total fast. Maybe you're supposed to do a Daniel fast and eat three meals a day, but eat, eat primarily vegetables and those sorts of things. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to do something. Why? How many of you have an unsaved loved one? Somebody that you genuinely care about. Not, not just somebody, but somebody you care about. All right? Doesn't know the Lord. All right? Isaiah chapter 58 talks about how that fasting, one of the things it does is it breaks the chains off of captives. Is it worth it to you that spiritual transformation might come to their life if you were to fast and this? I can't promise that. I got no promises for that. But is it worth you hearing from the Lord and knowing what you ought to do in regards to them? How many of you you need or know somebody that needs a job? They've lost a job through this and they need one. Hold your hands up high. You believe that God does miracles? Do you think that it might be possible that there's an enemy that comes to steal, kill, and to destroy, and that through fasting and the spiritual discipline of fasting, you push back on that darkness and powerful revelation and and perhaps provision is made by God to supply what they need? You believe that? Wouldn't that be worth setting aside some time? How many of you need to know what to do in a situation? You need wisdom. You need to know how to proceed. Anybody like that? Raise your hand up. You're living in a deal right now where you need wisdom. Let me tell you about a very real deal. Before we started this fast, I was dealing with a circumstance and it was causing me stress every day. 
about a decision. I've been, for months, I've been, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. I don't know, what, I don't know which direction. Lord, what? And I'm not, just a couple of days into this, I was in the Word, and the flesh had begun to subside. And the Lord said, why don't you let me deal with that? And no kidding, I had my paper, my paper Bible. Remember those? My paper Bible. And I turned the page, and I was in Proverbs, and my eyes looked down on the verse in our daily Bible reading in Proverbs for that day. And it was like the Lord took a pen, and he wrote out the answer to that deal for me. It hasn't happened yet. I took a five-by-seven card, and I, and I wrote, the Lord said, and I wrote out that verse. And then, he took, and then I said, and then I wrote out what he said to do. He basically said, this, when, when this happens, you do this. And I'm, I'm just waiting. I'm not, at, I'm not stressed about it anymore at all. I still don't know exactly when that's going to happen, but it's going to happen. And I've got a five-by-seven card that sits in my office propped up against my computer. Some of you are like, I'm going to sneak back there and read that card. No, you're not. Because Sue's back there standing guard right now. <laughs> I'm waiting to see the providence of the Lord take place. I came out of fasting. More than anything, I'm not... I just unloaded that on the Lord. I know exactly what to do and when to do it. You need... You need wisdom. Wouldn't it be worth fasting a week to find that kind of wisdom for a circumstance? Some of you are held, you've been falling prey. I won't ask for a show of hands, but you've been falling prey to the same captive sin in your life for two generations or for a generation, 25 years, 50 years, some of you. You've been struggling to get rid of. Some of you get angry over the same thing over and you've been dealing with anger. Wouldn't it be worth it to crucify that once and for all and be freed? Come on, anybody, wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be good to not stumble over the same thing again and again? Maybe this is the week. Why are we fasting this week? Because I'm asking the Lord, and those of you that have been following along with us on the prayer guide, the 21 days fasting prayer guide we've been putting out on social media, Joni's been posting. Every day it has a prayer concentration, and you'll see that the last two days of our fasting this week, if you look ahead when you see them, it's all about for the service next Sunday. I'm asking the Lord. Some of you are like, oh, pastor, you shouldn't say it. Why not? I'm asking the Lord to do miracles of healing in the room next Sunday. Wouldn't that be worth fasting for? Any of you find yourself going, I wonder why we don't see as many miracles as we used to. Ever heard anybody say that? Maybe it's because we don't fast and ask the Lord to do it anymore. We're, gonna, I'm, we're doing that this week. I'm asking the Lord to deliver people of specific things next week around the altar. Anybody join with me in believing for that? Amen. I'm asking for relationships to be healed and for forgiveness to be extended and for grace to overflow and a presence of God so powerful that it just overwhelms. Here's my question. Would you stand with me this morning, worship team? Otis, same one, please. And Tracy, please. Hmm. Simple question. Will you join me? Kind of a land, line in the sand. Will you step over it and say, this week, Pastor, I'm in. I'm in.
fasting is a sacrifice. It's hard. It's difficult. It's a struggle. You would say, Pastor, this week I'll struggle with you. I'll fight with you just to see what God might do. Uh, No guilt. Some of you, and I said this in the first service, I want to make sure you know, some of you do have, you've got got real health problems and reducing what you eat is not an option for you. I get that. And fasting isn't a guilt-laden thing. In a moment, I'm going to ask people to come forward. And if you don't come forward because you just don't think it's for you, I love you. And there'll be something else the Lord asks you to do. So there's none of that in here. Say amen. That's not who we are. But if you would say, I'm in. I'll struggle with you this week. Would you join me up here? Step out from where you are right now. I'll find something that's difficult and I will fast it this week. Come on. It's an act of worship.